you got a lot of business things going on, but uh, I'm an indifferent guy. Like I like to talk business, investing, and uh, all those different things. But what I find way more interesting with high performing people like yourself or like hobbies, like the real side, right? Like, what are you doing right. in life? Cool. You like the UFC? I like the UFC. Right. Uh, you know, personally, me, I don't like going around, like, get your ass off the couch watching Netflix. I'm like, yeah, I don't watch Netflix often. But when I watch a show, I watch the whole thing start to finish, right? Yeah, I'm the same way. I'm addicted. I'm there for four days, so. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, what do you uh, what do you like to do for fun in, in Charlotte? That city's exploded over the last couple of years. So I actually can't stay in Charlotte. We moved back. Um, I moved here in high school. Met my high school sweetheart, had four kids. And now we have two grandkids. But we moved to Birmingham, Michigan, which I fucking loved in August of 18 and then came back in August of 21. I did a deal for solar with the Detroit Lions at the time. It was the first NFL stadium that got solar through us. And um, mm -hmm. so I moved up there, made a lot of relationships with a lot of the NFL players there. And I'm a Lions fan, so naturally it was cool. But I started making relationships with Calvin Johnson, Barry Sanders, having him on the show, doing TV commercials with Barry. Uh, it was just, it was surreal. It was great. And then my second oldest daughter wanted to come back to North Carolina, finish high school and then go to college. She's at Bama now. So we came back. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of being here. I mean, the people are nice, but you know, it's just, it's the South. And to me, a lot of the South people limit themselves. Their goals aren't really high. People accept things. It's slower. Uh, I like to be around, you know, people with high, you know, net worth and self-worth that I can be challenged, that I can want to grow. There's not a lot of that here. Uh, so it's a little slow for me. Uh, but, but hobbies here, I coach, I coach youth football, multiple teams. Uh, my son is a quarterback. He's played probably seven or eight years. He's 12 of, you know, competitive flag. He's played two years of tackle. And uh, there's about five or six kids together that that play on the same team that I move them around in different leagues. And they're very diverse because my son grew up in like a bubble with a mm -hmm. bunch of, you know, like fucking. Calvin Johnson is, you know, catching the ball from him. Well, true story. Barry Sanders coached him um, at my house at his birthday party two years ago in Michigan, came over and coached a game against uh, Jack Fox, the punter for the Lions, and White Boy Rick was the ref in my backyard. I had a huge football field back there. So that was my son's 11th birthday party. And I said, listen, dude, it doesn't get fucking better than this. It's only downhill from here. So, uh, you know, he had Barry last year because it was a year later, sent him a message, say, hey, Christian, hope you're well. And then um, he had uh, uh, Amara Ra St. Brown send him a message the other day for his birthday. His birthday's coming up. So I've got some connections to where, you know, he gets to live that lifestyle, but I'm real big in him hanging out with people uh, yeah. with a lot of diversity, people in different backgrounds and, um, you know, that have different lifestyles. So he, he, I don't want him to be soft. And so he's got a group of five or six kids that are from all kinds of different backgrounds and income and growing up styles. And, you know, one, you know, couple don't have dads, couple don't look like, it's just tough, right? But I bring these boys in, they work together. There's unity, there's, you know, a brotherhood, they go out there and they try to dominate. Um, and you know, we, look, we, we win a lot of times. We lose very few times. We've lost a couple, uh, but we just had a sweet ass victory this past weekend. And we play this weekend coming up in a playoff and a championship in a league. And it's exciting, uh, cause there's a lot of animosity between us and another team. And that team's much bigger than us and supposed to win. And we beat the shit out of them. So it was, it was exciting. And my son and this other kid are kind of like an arch nemesis. They don't like each other. They played on the same team. 
last year and my son was having a share time, a quarterback with this kid and like, it was bad, but this kid threw a lot of interceptions and we lit their ass on fire and it was, it was good. That's a go. Yeah. It helps having that circle of, uh, legends that you listed off. Hate to, uh, break the bad news to you, but I'm a diehard Packers fan. Oh, so, we can end uh, this now if you'd like. Yeah. So you're, diehard Lions fan. you're fucked for like the next five years. <laughs> Hey, we'll see. I thought that was Aaron Rodgers as well. And come on, dude. Jordan Love? Like, come on. You know that's not Aaron Rodgers. I know. I know. There, he had one pretty decent game against Philly when Rodgers got knocked out. And I was like, yeah, but he threw five-yard passes and Philly still won. And anyway, that's that's a conversation so for you, another day. you feel about it? You think they're going to be okay? I think that no. 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 Do you I think the Lions will win the division? Do you think they're the team to beat now? Are you buying into it? I wish I could. I wish I could. I like I like the coach. He's still there, right? We beat like, dude, we beat y'all's ass three times in a row, though. Like it wasn't even close. Like it was an ass whooping. Yeah. Here's here's what I think is good for the division. Well, I'm I'm a Buckeye as well. So I and I'm like, a Michigan fan for I know, man. This this we might have to end this shit right now. <laughs> um which I mean, yeah, you you got you got me right now. Uh, well, what? Yeah, we, I've got I'm, I've got the cards in hand right now. That's yeah. correct. Usually <laughs> not the case. Usually yeah. it's complete opposite. But lately, I feel pretty good. We'll see about. Uh, so the reason why I bring that up is is Justin Fields. I think he's got to really prove it uh, in Chicago this year, which I think he can. But so that's the that. ultimate homer pick for you. You love Justin Fields. I don't love him, but. He he's the epitome of, I think what you'll see, either like he's gonna be an elite quarterback, or he's gonna be an RG three where like dude you can't run that much and get hit you're gonna get crushed, uh, or or you're gonna be you're gonna be solid right. I think the most talented team last year in the NFL I thought was the Vikings. I just think that unfortunately you have this quarterback named Kirk Cousins that's never gonna win you a Super Bowl. Uh, so I think I think in and in and out I think Vikings on paper and the talent on the field uh, was superb, but Kirk Cousins. Uh, so Detroit, I mean, it's a it's a toss up. I think it's going to be a grindy a grindy division. And dude, you've seen it. I'm a diehard football fan. Like those are the divisions that usually win it all. So yeah, I think I I agree that Minnesota has a lot of stars, but they don't have the trenches. And these games now are won in the trenches. And Detroit's got an O-line that's solid. And when you have an O-line, you know, being a Packers fan, when you have a good O-line, everybody plays better. Made Aaron Rodgers, you know, oh, he's one of the best ever. Had he not had the O-line, he would have been really good, not one of the best ever. When you give that guy five seconds, he makes magic happen. You give him two, it's a whole different Aaron Rodgers. And I think that's what you're seeing with the Vikings is their O-line is not very good. And that's why they have all these weapons and they can't do anything with it. Where Detroit built they're O-line really good, so we don't have these superstar weapons, and it makes Goff look like he's a pro bowler because he has a great O-line. He's got five seconds every time. I mean, you can quarterback in the NFL five seconds. You go find somebody open. Like, five seconds is hard to cover a receiver. So, yeah. you know, that's, to me, that's the key. But um, it's funny you bring up, uh, how do you think the new quarterback, C.J. Stroud's going to do? Uh, man, first off, uh Shout out to one of my buddies, Zach. He has the NIL management company in, here in Columbus. So I've thankfully been able to create some rapport with 
with some of these guys and helping them get involved in, you know, acquiring assets off the field and, and whatnot. Uh, so that's been really cool to see. I don't know if you believe in athletes getting paid. Absolutely. I do. We, we were, uh, Aiden Hutchinson's first deal. Oh, nice. company. Yeah. So yeah, I'm, I'm a big Michigan to Detroit, right? Yeah. As a, it was a, that was a Homer perfect pick. That's, that's all. Awesome. And he, was a, and he sponsored my book, you know, he promoted my book and he spot, and he was, um, an ambassador for my old company. So. Hell yeah. One of my, uh, I'll go back to your question here in a moment, but, uh, Jake, Butt, he's one of my, one of my buddies. Yeah. That's very uh, good. Michigan tight end. Yeah. Yeah. He's here, here in Columbus and had a flawless career in Michigan. And then he just had some unfortunate injuries and situations in the NFL, but, uh, dude, great guy. Like one of the hardest working dudes, he's on TV and stuff now doing broadcasting. He's doing some investing, some other things. Um, but CJ Stroud, I don't, I don't know. Uh, he played very well. Like that Georgia game, he definitely proved it for me. Uh, it just, he had so many weapons and I'm like, you, you never had that Heisman moment. You never had that chip on the shoulder moment, but you also never had that, you know, Valley moment either. So I think in the NFL, I think if you're just consistent, you can be elite, the elite of the elites, the Patrick Mahomes, the Tom Brady's Aaron Rodgers. It's like, you can make anything happen, but I think you can absolutely win a Super Bowl if you're a top 15 quarterback with a great line on both sides uh, and you stay healthy. So I think he has a shot for sure. Um, I think going into warm weather, I think being down in Houston, I think that's, I think it's good for him. I think, I think he could do well. I know that's not really directly answer your question. What I like is, is that whole NIL stuff. That stuff is, is absolutely fascinating to me. Um, I think it gives these guys so many options and that can be good and bad. Of course. Uh, I just think that we're going to start seeing massive kind of like a revolution happening in college football and the NFL with what we saw with Lamar Jackson, like negotiating his own deal. And then we're going to have some of these players. We're already seeing it now, uh, but give it like another year or two. These guys are going to be coming out, at least speaking on behalf of a, uh, some Ohio state players, dude, they're going to be coming out of college with properties, cash flowing with, you know, brand deals with equity and deals. I'm not saying it's all going to work out. I'm just, that's super cool to me. So if you go get drafted in the first round, you get a rookie deal, you get paid going into maybe that second deal. You, you might, might have, uh, some leverage. You might say, well, if you're not paying me this, like I got seven businesses and 70 doors and these other cool things going on. Obviously it could be the opposite where you lose it all, but, uh, that that's what I find most interesting in in, in uh, athletics right now. Yeah, I agree. I, I'm a big fan of that. Obviously, if they're going to put seats in the stadium and everyone else is going to make money, then the athletes should make money. Uh, one last thing on the Ohio State Michigan saga. So, um, me and my son got to go to the Michigan Ohio State game two years ago in Michigan when we beat you guys. Right, Aiden had like three sacks or something. Uh, that not was the big memorized or anything. Yeah, yeah, not that I've memorized. But the reason I bring that up is is we showed up early. So my financial advisor is also Jim Harbaugh's financial advisor. So we got to hang out in Jim Harbaugh's office. We had to walk around with the coaches. We got to go through the pregame warm-ups. We were in the locker room for the speech. We ran out to the stadium with the team. Like I'm talking next level shit. We got to do all that. Got all videotapes. It's, a, it's a, one of the best experiences. Besides doing a round table with Donald Trump, that was the best experience I've ever had, right? Like fucking next level. And 
That's wild. They let you guys in there. Oh my God. It's so wild. But here's what's cool. So we're sitting there with the defensive coordinator as they're doing the walkthrough. And I ask him and I go, dude, like, how are you guys going to beat them? And he, and he, I think he was talking about Northwestern where Ohio state had a problem with earlier that year, Northwestern. And he said their whole game, the, he said, you ever notice the quarterbacks from Ohio state don't pan out in the NFL? And I said, yeah, he goes, let me tell you why. Because the Ohio state coaches are so arrogant. They want the pencil last. I said, what do you mean? He said, they wait for the defense to set up their scheme, their personnel and everything. And then with five seconds left, they'll, you'll watch the quarterback look at the side. They call the play and the quarterback has no time to make adjustments because the coaches want to have the pencil last. The problem with that, what Northwestern did to expose them is they would do a lot of schemes and hidden blitzes and hidden coverages where they were manipulated. So that quarterback couldn't adjust as things change because they're waiting for the last second call in the play to run in on the line. He said, we're going to do that all day to that freshman. He was a freshman then and light his ass on fire. And they did that and they won. They did it again last year. So the problem is, as he dug deeper, he goes, when you don't prepare your college quarterback to be able to audible or, or read things and you're just, you're the puppet master calling the play at the last second, telling them to execute because they're athletic, they can't process things in the NFL. And that's mm -hmm. why, and so that is the biggest downfall. It's an, it's an arrogant control thing from the coaching staff there. They don't give a shit what happens to these players in the NFL. They want to win and they want to control that win where some other coaches are like, Hey, you, you see this, you got to, they allow these, these players to grow, to be able to comprehend, to be able to process information and make adjustments. And that's the biggest knock on the Ohio state quarterbacks where you get like a Bryce Young. He doesn't have the arm talent or the, the, the natural gift talent as CJ Stroud, but he's way smarter because his, his coach believes in allowing Bryce Young to make decisions and change things on there in case something is different that the coach doesn't see. And they call the plays early enough so they can make those adjustments. And you as a fan, you'll notice it more now because I noticed they go, holy shit. And you wait and they, they're waiting and then they run to the line. And it's like mm -hmm. it messes with them if it looks like something and they're disguising things, which is what Michigan did to them twice in a row. Yeah, that makes sense. And, and you bring up a point that is fascinating to me, which is back to the NIL. Dude, I, I know for a fact that these coaches are going to start thinking a little bit indifferently when they have an 18-year-old, a 19-year-old, a 20. It doesn't matter how old they are, but a kid, right? They're young men, but like... Yeah, they're kids. Of, they're, most of them, right? It's like, oh, this guy literally is making three times more than I am, and I have a family, and I've been working for 15 years. Ego what I'm getting at. I, I think that's what's going to start being interesting with these coaches and the player dynamic is the animosity, the are you really looking out for their best interest, right? Because th this whole money play with it. Um, so that's that's one thing I'm keeping my eyes on as well is your offensive coordinator is maybe not setting you up for success because you, you know, uh, said some words to each other in the locker room or at practice and that that player is making four times more than you and you are double his age and you can barely pay your bills. Now, obviously a lot of these, you know, coaches at Ohio state, Bama, Michigan, they're making very, very good money, but most of them are not really right. right. Unless you're the head coach or elite coordinator. So that's what I'm, I, that, I, that's what I'm going to be looking at. It's like, are you not going to give this running back the touches because you, you want to try out this next, or you just don't like him, And you know, that's going to lead. Cause I mean, dude, these guys are having, 300 rushing yards 
week two and they get seven brand deals within 24 hours or they get hurt. No one's picking up the phone to give them a brand deal. So we'll see. We yeah. will see. It's interesting. What, what, what are you doing on the, the dad side of things to make sure that uh, you are ensuring that the generational wealth and you know everything that you're you're building and the hard work and sacrifices and the connections and everything you made are not taken for granted and and so your kid is not uh soft and he doesn't return back to you know losing it all which happens the majority of the time in the second generation well i can tell you i lost 400 million dollars when my company closed six months ago so i went from generational wealth to still really i'm good off but i'm rebuilding so I had a company that was getting ready to go public, was worth a billion fifty, and we had a product liability issue with a company called Generac, and so we put a bill. We have a billion dollar lawsuit against them. There's lawsuits flying all over the place, um, but we ended up closing. We were, you know, we had the best reputation in solar for I don't know eight straight years. We had an A plus rating in every state we were in. We we're in seventeen states. We were doing six hundred million in revenue a year. We had twenty four hundred employees. I mean, I built it from the ground up as a fourth company. I built ground up. And that was the one that, you know, I was going to bring in a hundred million off the top when we went public and have 300 million in equity and, you know, be, be a public CEO taking courses and training for it and super excited. We were given a hundred million back to the employees. Like I said, like we had the best products out there, the best reputation Then we had a product liability issue where systems were failing. They did an update, a firmware update and half our customer base, their systems weren't producing. So then they got mad, the complaints got mad. The, the, I mean, it just became a snowball effect within like four months and it bankrupt us at the company. So I gave several million dollars back to the company to try to stay open, to fight, to, to, to you know win that battle and also to cover the final payrolls. And then we ended up closing. And so it was like a restart for me. Um, you know, I don't have debt and I've got some money, but dude, I don't, I don't have 400 million. I don't have a hundred million dollars. Like, you know, I don't have that generational wealth that I had, right? And so a lot of people are like, dude, what the hell? What was that like? Well, it was, you know, for, for 90 days, it was, I was angry. Um, and then after then it was like, well, what am I going to do? Am I going to sit here and lick my wounds and get pissed? Or am I going to take this, this, you know, um, this knowledge, this experience uh, that is invaluable? You can't put a price on it. And am I going to utilize it for something? So I've invested and opened up a couple other home service companies. One's exploding. It's five months old. It's doing almost $2 million a month, opening a second location, getting ready to continue to stream that. But I started to do, you know, I was doing my old podcast, True Underdog. I started the BAM podcast and then I got into coaching. I recently just got into coaching. Um, two mentors of mine, Dan Locke, who does coaching and uh, courses is a good friend of mine and a mentor was like, dude, you've built four companies worth tens of millions of dollars, one worth a billion. You know how to do it. Help business owners scale, help them learn digital marketing, help them learn AI, help them grow and do you know, the art of the sale. Um, and you should help that you should do that. And I'm like, really? So I thought about it. I'm like, you know what? I think I'm going to try it. And then Wes Watson, who's a, uh, fucking workout maniac, right? It's like a walking steroid and I love him to death, but he's an angry son of a bitch sometimes. Okay. Uh, and I could say that cause he's one of my coaches is like, he's like, dude, fucking just do it. So he helped push me saying, just fucking do it and get it done. Um, so I have both of those guys that are, that are my coaches and mentors, uh, in certain situations and things going on. And so down in, uh, 
sorry to interrupt you, but Wes is down in Miami hanging with my boy, Eric Spofford all the time. Which now. I love Eric. Eric was just on my show recently. Yeah. And, 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 you know, Eric's got a great story, the business he built and, and sold the now rebuilding. And so, um, you know, I, I had to sit there and I mean, look, could I have, could I have retired and not worked? Yeah. But then, you know, my kids, kids wouldn't have everything I built for and I'm not built that way. And so when all this came crashing and I didn't have a plan B, I'm just not a fucking plan B kind of guy. It was like, all right, what am I going to do next? And I saw, I didn't want my kids to think that when things happen out of your control and life punches you in the face and you get knocked down and I got fucking knocked down hard and we had like death threats, our family was getting threatened. Like it was fucking bad. You know, 2,400 people lost their jobs. 40,000 customers don't have a company to service them. Like it was fucking bad. It was all over the news and people were painting in the media bad picture. Like I was the Wolf of Wall Street guy ripping people off. And it's like, hold on. How did we have an A plus with the BBB for eight years and 40,000 positive reviews and the NFL pick us at five different locations if we were ever doing the wrong thing? We didn't forget how to sell and install solar. We had a fucking issue. But people don't understand that. People jump on any of their own stories. And so it created a lot of hate and a lot of like mis misinformation. And so I had my kids getting harassed because I was all over the news. Company closes, you know, Jason Waller's getting sued, all this stuff. And it was hard for them. And I could sit there and I could blame. I mean, it is Generac's fault. I got a lawsuit against them. Like the Aaron Yakfeld lied. They had a they didn't do the what they were supposed to do in the quality control. They admitted that. We've got we got everything. So it's a slam dunk lawsuit. It's gonna take several years. But I, I, complaining isn't going to do anything. I still have to go live my life. I still got to provide for my family. I still got to show that when you fall down, you can't stay down. You got to get the fuck up. So I started yeah. to like, all right, I'm going to build this other company and I'm going to do some coaching and I'm going to, I'm going to build my podcast back. And I started to do that. My son told his teacher, you know, they were talking about who they admire the most. And hey, I've got four kids, a 24 year old daughter, 19 year old daughter, 16 year old daughter, and a 12 year old son. And, um, he said, my dad, because everything that happened with this company, he doesn't care. He does not affect it with everybody saying he's just out there working. He's out there grinding. It's my 12 year old saying that, noticing that. So it's like, now I really can't pivot and be like, oh, let me relax. Right. So it's like, okay, I've got to rebuild. And look, we liked flying on the private jets and doing all the cool shit. You know, I still got nice shit laying by like, I got all that, but that's not the point. The point is, is I had generational wealth where my family's family's families were taken care of. You know, I, I had all of this where I wanted to do bigger things and it's a, it's a pivot. It's like, okay, if I built this billion dollar company in eight years, well, my goal in four years is to build five $300 million companies, which is 1.5 billion and sell each one of them. And I've got one building now and I'm working on the second one. So that's kind of the goal. And, you know, a, the coaching thing, I know that I've got more experience. Like I always ask people when people are like, well, what makes you different from all these other people building companies? So how many people, you know, built four companies, three with great exits over, you know, $10 million and one worth a billion and lost it and can fucking talk about it? Nobody. So I'm that guy. Like how many people, you know, lost their billion dollar, lost $400 million and are out here teaching people how to make sure that they're blocking and tackling, like prevent, have, have, you know, dual products rather than one, you know, on, on certain uh, diaphragms of your business, how to be able to do digital marketing, how to do AI. And so that's, that's kind of where I'm at. I started this coaching thing. It's going pretty good. I haven't invested marketing into it yet because I'm the type that I don't want to do something half-assed, right? And Wes is like, go, go, go. Just get everybody to sign up and it doesn't matter. And he's right and he's wrong. Like to me, I'm not fucking, you know, I'm not a workout junkie. I mean, I'm in, I'm kind of shape, but I'm not the guy that's like, you know, take your vitamins and fucking do it. Like I, I'm a very high energy, go fucking kick some ass guy. 
But mine's about like mind control, business. How do you scale? How do you do digital marketing? How do you lead a sales team? How do you build a fucking sales team? How do you create a call to action? How do you create a marketplace for your business? So it's a little different. So I, I tried that a little bit and I was like, whoa, that's not really me. But then you got like Grant Cardone, who is also like the the guru of of real estate. And I'm like, I kind of like that path where he has the courses and he has the coaching, but I want to do it for business. So I'm kind of following those kind of paths to do it for, for businesses. I'm trying to get on more stages to speak. I did a Ted talk not too long ago. Uh, you know, I've spoken at a couple events. I'm speaking at Dan's huge uh, mastermind in Vancouver coming up. And so I want to get out there and I'm working with a couple NFL players. I've got a couple billionaires, millionaire startups, uh, real estate agents, different people in my BAM community of coaching and one-on-one -on -one coaching that I help. And it's it's exciting because when I hear these companies that are like up 400% in sales in two months coaching with me, it's like your kid throwing a touchdown or your kid hitting a home run. You feel, wow, I'm making a dent in this person's life, their business, their employees, their customers it feels good without all the responsibility of managing the entire ecosystem of the company. And so I just want to use my knowledge out there to get people the experience, give them the shortcuts to really, to grow their business, you know, to get, get, you know, comfortable being uncomfortable and taking risks to take it to the next level. And, you know, doing this, this most recent company, that's a home service company and getting it to 2 million in sales in four months, it took me 18 months to do that in solar. And when we closed, we were doing 52 million a month. So I can see the light of my, holy shit, like this is, this is what I do. This is easy. I can do it with my eyes closed. How can I share it with other people? And that's what I'm building now. So it's the BAM community coaching and, uh, and then coaching one-on-one -on -one with me. So they either go into the community where we have a group call every week. Uh, we talk about AI. We talk about digital marketing, lead gen, things like that. Uh, and then one-on-one -on -one is me diving into the business and how to how to level it up, how to get to the next, whether they're raising capital or they're wanting to buy a company or they're just starting or they're wanting to build a brand or they're wanting to market. I help them with all that. Do you bring in uh, your resources? And the reason yes. why I ask that, so you bring in like... Uh, yeah, let me connect you with this person. Let me connect you. With yeah, it's not all just me. I've got a Rolodex that's so big. I So I did a pitch to 200 private and public companies. Tesla looked at us and wanted to buy a Sunrun. The list goes on. Blackstone, Goldman Sachs. I've got a Rolodex of all of those guys that were like, holy shit, we want to be a part of your business. So we, I did 200 pitches on our business. It was Power Home Solar slash Pink Energy. We had 54 offers. And two were over a billion. Most were over four or 500 million. And two were public deals. We ended up taking the public instead of the private route. And we were about to close in July, 2022. Uh, we were supposed to do the reverse merger. We signed the deal in March, uh, but with everything crashing in, in April and May, with all the complaints and the issues and the failing systems, we ended up closing the doors in September. So we did not go public, but I use all those resources. I've got marketing gurus that go in and teach them digital market, teach them funnel, click funnel management. I've got different websites, like everything that I can do to utilize them. People that want to raise capital in the tech industry or this industry, like I just connect them. So I go through everything I can help them with. And then I give them the resources they need in order to take it to the next level. Yeah, I would be interested to see if there's any synergies with um, what we're doing on the real estate side here in Columbus. We got uh, some development projects going on and uh, like a syndication model, right? It seems like you got, this is where my time is best spent too, right? Is like, I'm seeing a lot of uh, my situation and your situation. I had some recent, you know, business situations in the last 60, 90 days. And yeah. I'm like, you know what? I know a lot about a lot. I know a lot of people that know a lot about a lot. How do we get on a podcast? How do we have real conversations? How do we, how do we 
entertain and form and have fun. But then most importantly, like this is valuable for me to go, you know, Hey, Jason offline, I'm going to talk to you about this deal. We need 5 million bucks. Here's the details. Here's even more about the company, the project, the blah, blah, blah. We can maybe cut you into the deal. Um, but the reasoning why I say that is it's definitely safe to say I was probably more on the earlier. I mean, I was on the earlier stages of building courses, coaching programs, masterminds, going to events, putting stuff out on social media. You've done all that, right? Yeah, I've done all that and I'm rebranding things now, right? But you have a lot of self-awareness I'm recognizing where you have coaches, mentors, and we probably are going to continue to get them. But man, I'm finding this common theme over the last year or two years where I'm like, man, I don't know if I need to keep people on because it's like kind of throwing some mud in the water. I just know what I need to do. And I know the people that I need to know. I just need to do it how I want to do it. Now, obviously, it's good to have insight. It's good to have accountability. Uh, The whole point I'm making here is building a coaching program, a community and building a culture like doesn't have to necessarily be a thousand employees with 14 assistants and the perfect click funnel and the perfect this and the perfect that. It's just like, hey, maybe this is just a part of what I do. And then that allows me to go build a a relationship with Tyler to do some real estate deals, which allows me to go uh, get paid to go speak at his event and Dan's event. And then I can go do like, that's, that's what I'm noticing is as you start getting experience, it's pretty freaking rare to build a billion dollar company versus building a billion dollar person that does things. a bunch of things. No. And I think that that's what I'm attracted to. Right. So, I mean, naturally this business that I opened up, I'm not, I mean, I'm, I'm calling the shots, but I'm not calling the day to day. I don't want to run a big company anymore. I want to help build a few small companies and get them to the point where we can sell them, make a shit ton of money but I want to use my knowledge to help people. And I never thought about being a coach. You know, the favorite, the, the, the best part of me being a CEO of a, of a company that large and having all those employees was doing our sales meeting every month with 600 sales guys nationwide, uh, ladies and guys nationwide that I'd have to get excited to run through the damn brick wall. And I'm built for that. Like I'm built for fucking bringing the energy and they're ready to fucking just, you know, fucking do backflips through the wall and fucking go to the moon and sell as much solar as possible, right? Well, whatever it is. I did the same thing in my TED Talk in Boca. Like, I, that was my favorite part was inspiring and elevating people. So it was like, maybe I am made to do this coaching stuff, but is it a full-time gig for me? No, like, my wife's like, I remember when we first closed and I'm whiteboarding with some guys that are like, what's next? We want to open a company with you. I gave them sweat equity and said, you guys are running it. I'll be the brains behind it. I'll be Oz. I'll put the money in it. Here's what we're going to do, right? And all of a sudden it's taking off and we're only doing digital marketing and we're crushing it in one market. So we're opening up Atlanta and I'm keeping them aligned. So they've worked for me for several years. They've been, you know, senior directors, vice presidents, but they never had equity. So now they've got equity. I own most of the company and it allows me to take my time and energy to say, hey, I want to continue to rebuild my brand. My brand was way up here. And then when everything crashed with Pink Energy slash Power Home, my brand was in the shit. So I have to resurrect my brand. Well, I'm not going to sit in the shit and let everybody else dictate who or what I am. I'm like, screw that. I'm going to get out there and give real knowledge, real wisdom, you know, make an effort to really help these companies, help these athletes, help these, you know, entrepreneurs, these realists, whatever they're in move the needle, get some great testimonials. And then somebody's like, dude, you got to build courses. And I'm like, because I've spent probably 300 hours on AI. I've done, we used to spend $250 million a year in digital lead gen. Like that's what we were spending. So 
I've got the experience to do that where a lot of people are like, how do I grow my business? Like I just do Google AdWords or I just do TV or I do a couple, you know, think like they fucking have no idea and I can come in and really fucking help them. I'm like, dude, like if you even thought solar in any state, motherfucker, that was us, right? We had it all. Okay. And I just want to make sure that I can, I do that. And I love that. And so the course is to me, especially with AI, cause I love AI and I know so much about it and all the plugins and everything that I'm using it for. I mean, I want to share that knowledge and help people. And I see people that don't have the experience and that don't have the energy and that don't have the access or resources I have crushing it, training courses and coaching people. And I'm like, I feel bad people are paying for half-assed shit. If they're going to pay that. I want to give them real shit where they can go out and be like, dude, this was next level. To have a couple of these companies come to me and they've been a part of a lot of programs and I'm not going to knock them, but some of them are very, very, very big. And they're like, dude, I've never, they never got granular to the detail of my business. It was Which always. Ones? They were on, part, Jason. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they, uh, they were part of um, the, um, the Ed Milet and uh, what's his name? Hard 75, uh, Andy Frisella's thing. Uh, they were part of a Grant Cardone thing and said he's done all these coaching things all over. He did the Tony Robbins thing, but it wasn't detailed. It was more group. And he's like, nothing really helped my business. So this is a guy that's up 400% in sales in two months. He did 7 million last year. I mean, he just did 2 million last month. He didn't know how to do a real call to action. He didn't think about doing finance for his business. He's like, no, we're just selling cash. I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? People don't want to, let me ask you, if I sold you cable and I said, hey, it's $17,000 to get cable, would you buy it? No. But if I tell you it's $150 a month, basically for the rest of your life to have cable, you're going to do it? Yeah, it's the same thing if they're buying windows, siding, roofs, doors, solar, security, whatever the fuck you're selling. You got to have a payment plan. So we, I helped him put all this in place, get a call to action, create some ads, a little sprinkle of TV, and he's fucking up 400%. This is just one client, right? I helped a football player retired that bought a dumpster and hauling company and he couldn't get any contracts anywhere. His fucking logo was dog shit. His marketing was dog shit. He didn't have a call to action. And I'm like, look, Tavon, I got to be honest with you, dude. Like, who made your shit? He's like, oh, my homie. I said, well, your homie fucked up. Let's go to logo tournament. Let's create a good logo. Let's create a brand for what, have a meaning and purpose. Involve your kids. So he came out with this whole logo with his kids. And I'm like, look, how are you marketing? He's like, well, I'm not. I'm just driving by. And I said, well, it's fucking stupid. We, I said, when you digital market, it's like fishing. And it's like, what kind of fish do I want to catch? I get to pick. I get to pick the bait and I get to pick the fish I want to catch. And I get to throw the lines in. You have to do that. Otherwise, you're just waiting and you can't wait for business. You got to go get business. So he's starting his business, starting to take off. And that shit feels good to me because it's like I'm helping these companies out. And I've had a couple offers from some big uh, ones, a public solar company to come in there and, and you know, be uh, a liaison or, or you know, a, a, a VP of. And I'm, I'm just like. I don't want that. You know, I, I want like another guy that does 3D printing of solar panels. He's like, I'll give you equity if you coach me. I said, done. Like, I'll take those deals all the time. Throw me some equity. Oh, I'll help get you to the promised land, right? I love those kind of deals. But like you said, I want to sprinkle myself in a lot of places where I'm not bored. I'm impactful. I'm not staying doing the same thing over and over. And I can, I can, I can be value. And I'm still building net worth, but I'm helping other people build net worth. And that's what's exciting. Yeah, you seem, uh, I don't even, they didn't fucking know you before this, but you definitely seem, I feel like I did know you before this, where you seem like lighter. You seem like you're, uh, you know, you're slamming the caffeine there, which I'm a huge fan of myself, but uh, just energized. 
this was recent, man. Like this was very recent. The world came collapsing down on you. You have death threats in the family. You're all over the news. You had a death threat for me. I had the FBI agent show up at my house, Tyler, three days before Christmas. True story. Shows up at my house and I'm like, why the fuck is the FBI here? I'm freaking out. Like what the fuck? And he comes into the house and we're getting ready to go to Florida. And he goes, hey, I, I got to talk to you. And he has a local cop from Davidson. And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, um, I've got some bad news. My wife's like, well, just spit it out. What's going on? And she films it, right? She's like, you know, we don't have an attorney here. We're going to film this, you know. I'm like, and I'm looking at her like, why the fuck are you filming it? Like, I did something? Like, really? Come on. But she's well, like, Karen, filming. let's freaking out, right? Right, right. Yeah, exactly. She's just like, Karen, I'm going to film this. <laughs> and he's like, listen, he, he words it just like this. Um, so... We had a call at our South Carolina field office agent, an anonymous call with a block number that said that this person either is associated with or has family members in a national biker gang and that they're putting a hit out on you over this pink energy mess. And I go, what? And I go, well, what bike gang? And he said, the outlaws. And I'm like, what the fuck? Like, why? He goes, I don't know. Like to me that he's like, this is crazy. Like maybe someone high up was pissed off. They got screwed over. Do you owe anybody money? I said, well, first of all, I don't owe anybody any fucking money. And secondly, yeah, a lot of customers got fucked over. We had 40,000 customers. We had 20,000 with Solar Edge and 20,000 with Generac. All 20,000 with Generac are fucked. But when we closed, 10,000 weren't working. And I said, so customers were pissed off. Their systems weren't producing. They're paying for something. We're giving them rebate checks back. Generac never paid us back the money they were supposed to. We're servicing, fixing the parts. The parts are still having issues. Like it was a shit storm that we closed immediately. He goes, well, did anybody invest in the company you owe money to? And I go, he goes, who hates you? And my wife goes, well, a lot of these customers don't understand hate us. And they post bad shit or employees that, you know, lower level or entry level employees that didn't know us that lost their job. when we closed, they may say some things and, you know, they're like threatening my husband or, you know, his tires have been slashed. And um, he's like, okay, well, we need to think about who hates you the most and, and go through that. So I'm like, what do I do? And he's like, well, listen, just pay attention more. You know, um, and then the Davidson cops like, hey, I'll have a car here by your house more. Let's get more cameras. And I said to them. I said, well, listen, I don't shoot guns often. I have a couple of guns. I got like this, this hand pump shotgun. That's like a one-handed shotgun. And I've got a nine millimeter and I've got an AK and I'll put these cameras out and I'm going to put little signs out, but I got news for you. Somebody's fucking with my door and I feel threatened. I don't care if it's a kid, a squirrel, a dog, fucking Bambi, some fucking biker dude. I'm shooting the whole fucking door up. So just be prepared to come fucking clean up some shit because that's just how I'm letting you know now. So you better keep someone strolling by because I'm I'm fucking crazy like that. I'll I'll fucking blast everything that fucking touches the door if I'm nervous because that's my family. I ain't fucking around. No, I get it, Mr. Waller. Come down. I'm like, all right. So we go to Florida. Wife's freaking out. So I talked to an attorney of mine out in San Diego, and he represents another guy that was in a biker gang, the opposite biker gang, the Hells Angels, who is out now, right? And he was a high level guy. And so he's like, dude, I can't believe that's fucking happening. Let's get that guy on the phone. I'm like, really? So he puts this guy, Richie, on the phone. And Richie's like, oh, I know you. I've seen your fucking commercials, right? The solar guy, this and that. Yeah, you got that fuck. Yeah, I know who the fuck you are. He's like, so what happened? So I tell him what happened. He goes, who the fuck do you owe money to? And I go, I don't owe money to anybody. I, he said, did you have any investors? I said, we had a private investment company. They'd made their money and then some. They were getting ready to make $300 million on their $15 million investment if we went public. But they already made their money and then some. And they're getting all the heat too because they were, they're partners in our business. I don't owe anybody money. They only own 25% of the company. 
And he goes, well, and I go, well, hold on. He goes, what about the Generac people? Do you owe the money or do they pissed off? And I go, actually, their company was worth 12 billion before we closed. Since we've closed, it's gone down to 5 billion. Their stock was at 300 a share. Now it's down to 120 a share. The owner had 300 million in, sh in, in stock. He has about 100 million in stock. Since we've closed, it's plummeted their thing. He goes, I bet that, he said, where's he at? And I said, what's going on? He said, I bet that motherfucker has something to do with it. I said, really? He goes, I bet. He said, listen, first of all, they're not going to put a hit on you over that. They're dealing with all kinds of drugs and sex crime. Like they're not going to waste their time on some fucking solar deal or you'd already be dead. You wouldn't be talking about it. And the FBI would like that. That's not how this works. But that motherfucker, he said, most of these people, in these biker gangs, they're white collar. They're dentists, they're orthodontists, they're lawyers. They're not guys that drive bikes. And they probably fucking wanted to scare you to shut the fuck up because you're going public about all the Generac stuff. And it probably, he probably told his buddy at the country club in Wisconsin who told him. And I'm like, holy fuck. I never thought about that. So, of course, I'm calling the FBI agent like, hey, I had a conversation with this guy before and blah, 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 because I have. I've met with the guy before and he mentioned that he he knew somebody, a biker guy, when we hung out with football players. Like, yeah, I got some big biker friends. And it all clicked. It all story came together. So it started freaking me out. I'm like, this is crazy. So nothing's happened. That's been since Christmas. I can't live in fear. I'm just not that person. Um do I think somebody's going to really want to fucking kill us over fucking a solar system they got that's fucked up, that's under warranty? No, manufacturer's issue. But I do think that that Generac, I mean, I do think Generac's leadership team had something to do with communicating threats. I do know that us closing did detrimental damage to their business. I know that they have multiple class action lawsuits for this, and they have a securities fraud lawsuit because he lied to his shareholders. He didn't tell them how bad the part was until it was too late. And he told them that he had no other partners more than 7% of their, of their business. We were 80% of their business. So it crushed them, not their generators, their solar part, we were 80%, crushed them significantly. So that's still out there and it's scary. And it's like, yeah, this just happened. Um, and it's sad because it's like, we were right there, right? You, like life was different. You know, when, when you're winning, our company won 40 awards just in 2021. I've won entrepreneur of the year eight times. Like when you're winning all these awards and your company's getting, you know, all the, you know, we're putting solar on NFL stadiums, baseball stadiums, college stadiums, you're getting all these accolades and, and, and your reputation is top notch. And all of a sudden it's down in the mud and everybody's spray painting you to be evil villain. I told my wife, I said, it's like when people abuse their kid, they're like, you're a piece of shit, Tyler. You're a low life, Tyler. You'll never amount to fucking shit, Tyler. And you know, that's not true. But then eventually over time, you're like, well, fuck, am I a low life? Like what's going on? So because everything around you starts to say that it, it fucks with you and you have to go, hold on, pause, fuck that. That's not true. I know who I am when I get up in the morning. I know who I am when I go to bed. I know the efforts I put in. I know my integrity. I know what I'm trying to do. I'm not going to let every fucking Tom, Dick and Harry hater, peasant, shit talker, all these other fucking people control my life. They don't, they don't fucking get to, they get zero opportunity to. And so when, you know, my kids always like give me shit because when I'm at an event or I'm at anything in life and somebody has a problem with me, most people that, that, that have a problem, like if, if me and you have an issue and we, and like, and we just don't like each other, you've said some shit or whatever, and we go to an event together, I purposely make it uncomfortable for the other person by fucking smiling and getting close and being, Hey, how are you? 
I'm that person. I flourish in that. I know it's kind of fucked up. Most people are like, I'm not going to go because that person's going. I'm like, I want to go because that person's going. And I want to smile real big and be right next to him and be like, hey, because that's who the fuck I am. And so I live my life like that. And I always tell my wife, she's like, you know, these people seeing you on the news here. And they say that. I'm like, great. I'm like, hey, how are you? Like, I, I'm that guy. And so it, it's, it takes that to, to get through this shit. Yeah, that makes sense. You're a Michigan fan after hearing all that. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I love it, man, because there had to be a moment where you had to start believing some of it there for a couple of days, a couple of weeks, a couple of months. And then th there was that moment where you go, no, 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 I'm still getting up early. I'm staying up late. Still a good husband. I'm still a good dad. Like, no, no, no. Yeah. Fuck the bullshit. Even if I believe that there's skeletons in everyone's closet. Right. Oh, like, I believe that by no means, but everything's yeah. escalated when you have a monster problem. All the little things that you normally fuck up on all of a sudden becomes bigger. Correct. And then just we're, we're humans, right? Uh, I mean, I don't have the neural link in my head. I'm not, I'm not a robot yet. Uh, but it's like, you, you kind of start turning that into sometimes like even more smaller mistakes. And then you start, you know, going, you just have a choice to make. And that choice is either you believe the bullshit that people are saying. And some of it could be true. Like some of it could have been things like, God oh, damn, now you reflect back when I could do that different, that different, that different. That's any decision in life. But it seemed like you had that moment where you're like, nope, there's a line in the sand. I'm going to go out there and actually get on podcasts. I'm going to go out there and create content. I'm going to go out there and do coaching. I'm going to go out there. Because uh, one thing I find very, 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 very interesting in this is you probably had to make a lot of hard, really fucking conversations to really high level people, uh, lawyers, NFL players, huge business guys to tarnish that relationship because I'm sure you're going to bed at night going, man. My boy, Dan Locke is finding these articles and, uh, you know, how, how did you handle that communication with people to not get your reputation completely trampled? So those that knew me and, and, and so this, the way this went down is, is in March of 2022, a bad report came out in Detroit. And so there were, there was like 22 complaints to a news station about the systems not working. I mean, the, the way to explain this, the best analogy to explain how this happens, you got to understand how this happens if you're not in the solar industry, is let me use Tesla as an example. Let's say I own a Tesla car dealership. You can't do that right now. So the listeners know Tesla doesn't do that. They're corporate. But let's say I own a Tesla dealership. It's important that I use Tesla as this example. So I have Jason's Tesla dealership and I'm crushing it, Tyler. I'm selling cars all over the fucking country. I'm one of their best dealers on the planet. I'm winning all these awards, famous people, athletes, and I, like they're all fucking buying cars. I want to get it from Jason's Tesla's. Like they're all in. And all of a sudden two Tesla customers, cars catch on fire. Nobody dies Two catch on fire. And so these customers come to me and they're like, dude, what the fuck? And I'm like, Whoa, shit. So when our team goes to Tesla, Hey, what the fuck? And they go, oh my gosh, we've never seen anything like this. We're, good news is we're going to fix it. We have this firmware, this update that is going to fix any cars from this happening ever again. Are you sure? Yes. You're positive. Yes. Can you send an email? This? Yes. And Tesla is a huge fucking publicly traded company. So we're like, okay, we, th these are our partners. We got it. So we continue to sell the Teslas after they promised all that update. And they sent a letter to some of those people out there, right? Well, all of a sudden, while this is going on over a few months, we're getting a bombard of people coming in saying their battery and their Tesla is not charging correctly. Instead of getting 250 miles a charge, they're getting 100 miles a charge. And they don't understand what the fucking problem and they're mad because they bought it from me and I fucking sold them something that doesn't work. And I go, hold on, hold on. 
this is a manufacturer's issue. No, it's not. You guys, I said, hold on. This is a, and they're fucking screaming and yelling. And all of a sudden I'm having to service and replace these batteries, not in the onesie, twosies that's normal, but in the 300, 400, 600,000 fucking cars lined up to get this done. And I'm not getting paid to service this shit. So I'm going to Tesla going, you got to pay us to do this. And Tyler, his fucking car is in charge right for three months. We got to pay three months of his fucking loan bill. So we're going to give him money for that. You got to pay this. And Tesla goes, oh my gosh, we found out the problem. You're right. That firmware we sent messed up their stuff. We'll get a letter out. We'll work with you on it. All of that's admitted. And then guess what? They didn't. They stiffed us for $91 million in service. They fucking didn't take full. Like all of that happened and it and it exploded. Now, of course, maybe we had a fucked up vehicle that did this or a fuck like oh, we have our own problems, but we've always been able to manage and mitigate any kind of normal business issues. I always go back to this. Everyone likes to file complaints. People don't like to give positive reviews. That's the world we live in. We had over 7,000 positive reviews online. We had over 5,000 testimonials online. We had an A plus, not in one state, in all 17 states we were in for eight straight years. We had less than 200 complaints with the BBB in eight years. In 90 days, we had 1,000 complaints with the BBB when all this shit hit the fan. And that created this bad news article in Michigan where they had 21 complaints. What they did is they started questioning our sales tactics. Are we ripping customers off? We're selling them something that doesn't work. So they... They did these hidden videos where a, a sales rep told them, yeah, Tyler, all of Ford Field just got solar. Well, it's not all of Ford Field. It's Allen Park, the training facility, and Ford Field's parking garage. But that's what the news used as like lying to the customers. Like, are you fucking serious? Like, they're not buying because this asshole sales rep said all of Ford Field and it's part of Ford Field that has solar. Still, Ford Field has solar, motherfucker. However you like, but that was the kind of shit that they played because it was called the Hall of Shame. And so that bad article led to other bad articles coming out where complaints were coming in and we're scratching our head going, what the fuck is happening? So we bring in a third party company to look at our sales to see, is there something we're missing? Because we had a compliance department. We had a, most people have a three-day right of rescission. We had a 10-day right of rescission. If we signed you up, we said, Tyler, you got 10 days to cancel. We did a recorded calls to go over everything. Like you name it. We were dot and I's and cross and T's. We've always been fucking, you know, our reputation, our compliance, everything's been way above board. So when this happened, we're scrambling, trying to figure this out. And then after a couple months of realizing we're replacing all these parts that were burnt up and that their firmware shutting systems down and not telling anybody, they started to take ownership. We're like, all right, we can fix this together. Then they don't pay us for it. We run out of money. We end up suing them. We run out of money and we close. And that's what happened. And so, yeah, I mean, when, when your question was, there had to be a time when it was like, you know, when all this closed, those that when I fought from April to September, because in August we sued Generac and we actually turned it around. In August, we had more sales than July and July, more sales than June. So the reputation of our brand took a shit and then we figured out what was going on. And then we separate ourselves from Generac and we sued them. They were supposed to still pay us for service. We started selling others. Numbers were going up. We were building our reputation back. We ran out of money. And so when that happened, we closed. So those people that were with me, my friends, you know, some associates and, and vendors that were there seeing us fight through this, they knew the truth because we were, we were, we were public about it with them. We weren't public in the media until we sued Generac, but we were upfront with them of here's what's going on and holy shit. However, there are some people that are on the outside. It's like, it's like that guy who murdered those people at that school in, uh, what state is that? You do North Dakota or what fucking state was that? Montana. Remember the recent there's guy a, that there's fucking a new one every day. But I yeah, think I know what you're talking about. It the was college old. one with like the five kids. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it was, uh, I think you're right. Dakotas, maybe. I don't okay. know, but I know, I know what so, you're talking so about. So immediately, everybody, there's picket signs outside his parents' house blaming his parents for raising a demon, yeah. right? People believe that this guy's parents are demons and they raise demons. Like, that's not fair and that's not accurate. You don't know. But that's what people look to. They look to matter. They look to poison things. They look to hate. They look to be a part of a group that is anti-something, unfortunately. And so my version is, if the news says it, people think it's true. And if the news says, well, maybe this guy is a fucking, is a demon and he raised a demon, well, maybe it's true. I'm here to tell you, it's not like, Everything the news said that was bullshit. Yes, there's pissed off customers. Yes, their system doesn't work. We never manipulated their sales. We, If we did, how did we have an A-plus for fucking eight years? How did 40,000 people raise their hand and say they want us? Don't you think these complaints would have been ongoing for years? Like, But but the common sense and the easiest, the path for easiest, uh, you know, least resistance is, well, if the news says that, I'm sure there's some truth to them fucking doing stupid shit. And it's like, no. We grew really fast. We probably could have trained our installers better over time, of course. Like, you know, we were we we, we went yeah, from an install company to a service fucking company, but we were able to manage and mitigate any kind of growing pains we had. It's this fucking nightmare that just, you know, was like the devil that stole everything underneath us. So, yeah, I, there are people that were close to me that I thought were close to me that all of a sudden judged me or gave me a weird look. And it was hard. And I had like a, a mentor of mine that was like, hey, I just need to know, like, how did all the, like, is everything good? Like, I'm like, are you fucking serious? Of course, good. Like, you know me. So it was hard. And and it and what it does is it, it makes you feel insecure and you have mm. to find a way to talk to these people. Like, is this person not talking to me now because they think I'm a bad person? And it is really hard. And what I've learned is, is you get stuck in your own shit. And it goes back to that. It goes back to the abuse that children take sometimes verbally where they believe it. And you can't listen to the noise. You control you. You get to dictate who you are, not them. And if they don't want anything to do with you, fuck that. They don't get anything to do with you. Like I, I put them in my pocket as fuel and I go, all right, you son of a bitch. I see that you don't have my back now. So when I get to the point again, you're like, oh my God, I want to, nah, nah, nah. You stay over there with your popcorn and your Coke and watch from the sidelines, motherfucker. Cause I'm going to put on a show and you, you're not going to be part of the show anymore. You're going to sit on the fucking sidelines. And so I use it as, as fuel. But it is hard because it hurts your feelings, man, because I'm a human being. It it hurts your feelings. You're like, dude, like, like, why do these people think this about me? But it's because they're bombarded with the news or the bullshit articles on social media. And that's the power it has. And it's it's sad and it's and it's wrong. But but if people are going to believe that they're not my fucking people, they're just not my fucking people. And I have to accept that. Yeah, I don't know the exact number. So someone from the audience can give me an exact answer from Google, but I believe there's like 40 million lawsuits a year, roughly, give or take, in the United States. So most people, uh, modern society, but most people just look at things on the surface level, right? They see a lawsuit online and they're like, oh, he's a bad person. They do like some surface level shit or they see a news article, they see a video clip, they everything just instant, 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 instant. So they just, they take things too literal, whether it's on the news or whether it's online or whether it's uh, anywhere or whether it's even a conversation with a person. Like, most people don't, they say, do due diligence, do your own research, right? I, I researched about this topic. No, you fucking looked into it at best. Like you read the surface level stuff. Uh, so props to you, man, for being like a dad successful. Well, it's, and it's, 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 affected, it's affected my kids too. Let me give you an example. I signed my kid up for another school. He was accepted last year. He chose not to go last year, last minute. 
We still had to pay, even though they replaced it. He goes to get accepted this year. We've been on the news, you know, us closing, what's going on. All these customers are left hanging from Pink Energy. And rumor has it from some of the people in that school, he was denied. It's because me being on the news. And it's like, really? Like, so I've had, I just had a guy come to me today, Tyler, in the gym. Um, he's like, hey, Waller, how you doing? I was in there changing clothes. I'm like, I'm good. He's like, dude, like, I still love your podcast. I'm driving up to, you know, Richmond. He owns a, a roofing company. I love your podcast. Gives me some shit to do. And I was like, yeah. He's like, how are things going? Like, I hear you talking about the coach. I said, oh, I love it. Then he goes, look, I'm going to be honest. I was a hater. Like, I used to be like, oh, I bet this guy's full of shit. Like, I'd see you on TV, see your billboards. And, you know, I know you you used to live here and then you didn't and then you moved back. And I used to think you're full of shit. And he's like, then the first came time I came to talk to you in the gym after you closed, I was like, oh, I bet that motherfucker did shit. Like, I talked to you and I'm like, no, nah, like, you're good people. He's like, I think the perception out there. And I said, well, you know, hey, I appreciate you being honest about that, but you you can't judge things by what media is. Like, there's always a his, her, and a middle story. And you got to find the middle. And so you got to dig through the minutia if you care about having a relationship. So it, it did cost that. It also, I had an opportunity to be a, a big time consultant and maybe have some equity in a pretty good company in Arizona. And they were bringing me on. They were all gung ho. And then the last minute after I spent six, eight weeks with them talking, doing things, this was at the end of the year going into the new year. They're like, we can't, your name's too toxic right now. It's too hot. People will judge us. Finance companies won't do business with us, et cetera, et cetera. And it was like, that's fucked up. Like, you know what I mean? So, I, but what are you going to do? If that's how it's going to be, that's how it's going to be. It's like, you know, uh, Kanye said some shit, so you can't compare that. I don't know what the example would be for me, but needless to say, like, you know, look, the world is always a forgiving place. Look at Kobe when he cheated on his wife, right? The late Kobe, right? Or they, and remember they thought he raped that girl and then he didn't look at mo most people, by the way, don't even know that. Like 99.9% right. .9 of people in this world don't even know that. And, and that was a big deal. And people were judging him early on, like, oh my gosh. And then, so I believe time heals most things like this. Um, and I am never saying we never did anything perfect. We were not perfect. We were a growing company, had our own issues. But those issues were elevated and, and taken to a whole nother level because well, of the giant storm of problem with product liability on over 10,000 customers at once. We couldn't. In a brand new... Sorry to cut you off, but I was just literally talking to my buddy about this. He was on the show last night. He's an energy broker consultant. So yeah. he was helping me get energy prices for um, crypto mining and some different other business ventures. But the reason why I'm cutting you off on this is because the solar industry itself, it sounds like you're early on, you're top dog. Like I know some people in the space, like crushing, crushing, crushing. You're on a whole different level, of course, but it's a new industry. If you look at, you know, business in the United States, right? So the equipment that was installed five years ago is absolutely irrelevant. It's like getting yeah. an iPhone one to an iPhone 14 in a matter of what, a couple of years. So I think that whole industry in itself has a world of pain ahead from the very minimal I understand around solar, uh, just from the products, the services, the liability and going from a door-to-door uh, -door sales knocker to a fucking billion dollar company in a matter of a couple of years. Uh, that's insane growth. Like that's yeah. thousands and thousands of percent. A lot of shit's going to break on the way. And people that are at the high level, they're just, it's impossible to do things perfectly. Usually you build a company that big in 20 years, not two or not in five or not well, in eight. And you're right. But here's the crazy part. We had two offers that we signed to go public that we were working on simultaneously. 
So we had audited financials for three years and they were doing all the due diligence and we were checking all the boxes. So things were really good, even with the monstrous growth, except this ginormous issue of 10,000 customer systems not producing or working with that firmware update. Like, you know, that when you have like, if we install 800 customers a month, the numbers used to be like this. We'd install 800 to 1,000 a month. We were doing about 100 service calls a month where we'd have to go like fix something because a wire was broke or a panel didn't work. That was normal. We would get 800 phone calls a month into our call center in February, 2022. In March, 2022, we got 30,000 phone calls. True story. Like it's in the lawsuit. So how the fuck does that happen? Right. Like it's not like we went from 800 to 900 and 900 to 1100. No, 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 no. We went from 800 to 30,000 and then 36,000 and then 32,000. And, and we had to like, we had five hour hold times. People were pissed. Like it be, because what happens was when these systems were turned off, customer didn't know, we didn't know. They didn't know till they were getting their power bill. They're like, what the fuck? And they're calling us and calling us and, and Generac did a mass update in December. Well, they got those bills in February. They're calling us in March. Over 10,000, we're on the platform, 10,000 systems failing at once. Out of our, like, so it's crazy. Let's pivot this into um, another person that the the news absolutely loves is your boy, Donald Trump. You're at a round table with him. You said that was, that was briefly like, mentioned it. Yeah. You said that was the, the best experience that you've had in your life. Uh, I mean, not me, you know, marriage, kids, grandkids, obviously that takes the root. Uh, but I'm talking about like bucket list shit. Yeah, that was a big deal. So this was, you know, he was already president and it was re-election year. It was September, 2020. Yep. And it was during COVID. And I got invited to do a round table with him at the Trump hotel in DC. So I fly in, you know, we're, we're crushing it, right? We're, I mean, like we're, our company's growing. We just did the deal with Generac. So we're a few months into the Generac deal. We're all over TV with Generac offering batteries and storage. Like life is up here. Like, yeah, life is good. Right. Yeah. And so I'm, I go up there and I'm feeling sick on the way. This is all true story. I'm feeling sick on the way. And I'm like, fuck is wrong with me? And I land and I feel like I can't swallow. And my wife's like, go get Sudafed, drink like five bottles of water. So I'm taking Sudafed, drink of water. I'm like sweating. I'm like, fuck, maybe, maybe do I got COVID, something wrong with me. So the next morning I get up, you got to go in and get COVID tested before you can meet him. And he's not coming till 6 p.m. Well, he came way later, but it was supposed to be 6 p.m. So I go in there to get tested about noon and I'm fucking sweating. Like, what the fuck? I get tested, come back. I don't have it. I'm like, oh, thank God. I mean, lo and behold, the tests never fucked. They're full of shit. We all know that now. But back then it was like, oh, okay, I don't got it. I'm good. So you have to go in and check in at three, even though he's going to be there at six. And so I, I'm a pretty confident dude. When I walk into a building, like I hope Barry Sanders is a good friend of mine. He was also my football hero. Like I don't make him feel bigger than me. And he does, I don't act bigger than him. I, I stay in the moment. Right. So I'm pretty confident when I walk in a room, no matter what the fuck is going on. And I've already been warned, like, you're going to meet Trump. I'm like, so right. Well, I walk into this room and Everybody in there is a billionaire. I'm not talking about millionaire. I'm talking oil money, mega fucking billions. Guy owns the Cowboys and the list goes on. Okay. You're like, holy shit in this room. So I'm in there walking around and I purposely dressed in a sports coat, a nice shirt, no, no tie and some fucking red shoes on purpose. Right. So I had like boost coat on fucking purpose. Cause I want to stand out. That's who I am. And I'm in there and I'm, I'm sweating balls. I'm like, this is, I still kind of feel like shit. And I'm talking and mingling. And I start to get a little like, 
you know, they're talking about, yeah, I do this. I'm in oil. I got this. Oh, I, I brought my, my jet, like there are all these things. I'm just like, holy shit. It starts to hit me. Like I'm about to meet the president of the United States who I'm, I, I like Donald Trump. I voted for him. Okay. And, um, and I'm with uh, an elite group of people that is a next level, old school oil money, not new money, not modern money, like old school oil money. And I'm getting a little uncomfortable. Like maybe this moment is bigger than me. And I had to go to the bathroom, dude, and splash some water on my face and go, fuck that. Like you have a top five podcast. You're on two minute drill. You're a host on TV. Like wake the fuck up. I did, I did coach myself back to reality. Go back out there. I'm excited. We get in line. He finally shows up. He's two and a half hours late. Um, uh, Ronna McDaniel is a friend of mine in Michigan and she was the RNC chair. And she says, Hey, Jason, I love your shoes. She's like, listen, there's only going to be 21 of you in there. I don't know if you'll get a chance to talk to him. He's going to answer some questions. He's late. This is his fifth stop. He's been stopping different places, you know, for the rallies. Um, but hopefully you get to ask a couple questions or at least a question, but I don't know. There's only 21 of you. will probably take five questions. I said, don't you worry. I'll get my fucking question out. She starts laughing. So we get in line to go get a picture. Now, because of COVID, they're keeping everybody about five yards away from each other. Well, my ass gets right up next to him and takes a picture right fucking next to him. Okay. Boom. They're like, Hey, Hey, he's like, it's fine. It's fine. Right. So I meet a boom. So then we go into the room and they have my name on a plate with a fucking, I call it the, you know, the, the little the microphone that comes up. So it, it looks like the uh, Putin type shit, you know, Putin talks that shit. So they've got all these things in there. They got the thing that we're sitting there for a few minutes. He's got Mark Meadows and a couple of his staff in there and 21 of us. And in comes, he walks in, we all stand up and yeah, he, he comes in, he says, just like this, guys, I'm so sorry. I'm late. I, this is my fifth stop today, Mark. Mark's like, yeah, he's like, yeah, fifth stop today. You know, we're out there. We're, we're, everybody's loving what we're doing and then we're going to win this race. And, you know, he's just, you know, doing the, the Donald Trump thing. And he goes, but listen, we have no cameras here. This is a private meeting. You can say whatever the fuck you want to. The president of the United States just dropped the F-bomb. I go, it's fucking cool. He goes, so whatever the fuck you want to say. I'm like, that's two F-bombs. I'm like, this guy's fucking cool, right? So he's like, go ahead. So the guy two seats down to me goes, Mr. President. I'm in the hospitality business. I have hotels. He goes, hold on. Where are you at? What, what state are you in? He said, Texas and Oklahoma. He said, do you think we're going to win Texas and Oklahoma? Guy says, yeah, I do. He said, okay, good. Continue. So the guy goes, listen, I'm in the hospitality business. True story. You can't make this shit up. I'm in the hospitality business and, you know, we're losing our, our, our butt. You know, we can't, you know, with COVID, we can't rent the places out. We're having to pay. He's like, they're not giving you reverse mortgages. No, they're not working with you on that. Like, no. He goes, who, who's your finance company? Says the company he goes, that's not going to work. He's like, I actually know a guy over there. He's like, Mark, do me a favor. Call so-and-so go out there, bring this gentleman out there, connect them. He's like, you tell them that I said, they got to do a reverse mortgage. They're going to have to start helping some of these hospitality companies out that will make it right later, but they can't let these companies go out of business. It's the wrong thing to do. Guy's like, thank you, Mr. President. Walks outside with Mark Meadows to go talk to this fucking guy. I was like, that's legit. So I go, Mr. President, raise my hand. So I'm, I jump in. He's like, yeah, I go, Jason Waller, Power Home Solar. He goes, Solar. I said, yeah. He goes, American Solar. I said, yeah. He goes, well, just so everybody knows, I put these tariffs and all the Chinese panels coming out. He's like, I like American Solar. I don't like Chinese Solar. He's like, but go ahead. So I go, well, and he goes, hold on. What states are you in? I said, well, we're in several states. What state do you in? I said, well, I'm in Michigan. Do you think we're going to win Michigan? He said, yeah, I think, I think you might win Michigan. So I kind of like change it. I might, you might win Michigan. Right. And, uh, cause I want to fuck with him. Like, I wasn't going to be like, oh yeah. Right. And so I was like, yeah, you might win Michigan. He's like, okay. Okay. What about the other States? Where, where's your other States? I said, North Carolina. So you think you win North Carolina? I said, yeah, I think you probably win North Carolina. He goes, okay, go ahead. He, and I go, he goes, wait, 
what did you think about those tariffs? Did it help your business? I said, well, funny you asked. I said, you know, one of the things that I wanted to bring up here today is under an Obama administration, my company lost money the first two years. Under your administration, we've continued to grow year over year uh, with over 100% growth. We're at, and at this time, we we're almost at 1,000 jobs. So I said, we're at 900 jobs. We're in like seven states and growing. And um, and he goes, okay, well, that's really good. And I said, and we did that when you switched to American-made panels. He goes, well, how many American-made panel companies are there now? And I said, well, there's a handful. But when you first did it, there was only two. And he goes, well, good. So it's adding jobs. And he starts like looking around, right, to get validation. And he goes, well, I'm glad that's adding jobs. And he goes, look, again, I love American solar. And he goes, what can I help you with? I said, here's my, my issue. I said, too many times the Democrats play the card of climate change. And like, I didn't go to college. I don't know if climate change is real or not. That's not why I'm in the industry. And the Republicans are anti-climate change. So what happens is, is the solar industry, the renewable energy industry now becomes political. And if you're a Democrat, you want solar. And if you're a Republican, you don't want solar. But really, I don't know if you're aware of this, 65% of our buyers are Republican, your voters. He goes, I didn't know that. I said, yeah, we've surveyed them 65%. Why? Because they own land, they own businesses. They're tired of paying the utility company. They don't like the utility company. They want energy independence. That's our buyer. All the, a lot of the Democrats drive the Prius and then they don't want to get solar because they live in an apartment or a complex, right? I said, that's the issue. And he goes, interesting. And I said, he's like, where do you need our help? I said, I need you to make this not political. I need it to not be about climate change. I need it to about, be about energy independence. You talk about it all the time. I need it to be about how much you like this. And he goes, well, I like wind and I like American solar. I just don't like, um, or no, he goes, I don't like wind. I like American solar and I like hydro and I don't like Chinese solar. And I go, well, I just need help doing that. So he's like, Rana, and Rana's like, yeah, I know Jason. He's like, all right, we'll make sure, you know, we talk about this, we bring this up, et cetera, et cetera. I'm like, well, thank you. And so that, that was it, right? So I was done with him. So then a lady comes on and she starts talking about, hey, I'm from Alaska. This is my state senator. Uh, me and my fiance own a company. It's a transport company, railroad company. We're trying to run a railroad through Canada to come down to the United States to save millions of dollars on lost money of cargo having to take ships over. And we're, this will add a lot of jobs and we can't get the permit. And he goes, okay, well, is this private or public? And uh, she said, well, it's it's private. Well, then why can't you get the permit? Well, they keep denying it. Why do they keep denying it? She's like, I don't know. Your office, you know, the federal government keeps denying it because it's going into Canada. And he goes, well, how many jobs will this add? She said, probably about 200. And so he goes, he goes, he's, she, he says, this is your fiance. She says, no, this is our state senator. So he goes, do you think we're going to win Alaska? And the state senator says, yeah. And he goes, okay. He goes, will this really add 200 jobs? And he said, yeah, it will. And it'll save a lot of money. And he goes, okay. Then he goes back to the female and he goes, listen, you tell your, your fiance you did a good thing today by coming to see me. I'm going to get you that permit. I'm going to bring something up in minutes. Hold on. So she's like, thank you. So then he goes to this, he goes, all right, one last question. This older lady speaks. She's like, hey, Mr. President, she has this giant folder. She's like, this is for you. She passes it up. It comes to him. He starts opening. She goes, those are the houses in, and I don't remember what city it was in Florida. And it's having nothing but issues with their ground. And there's, um, there's toxic it, it, toxicity in the ground. They're losing value of their homes, yet they're being taxed at an all-time rate. People can't sell their homes. They can't afford to keep their homes because the taxes are so high on these homes, yet there's toxicity in the ground dirt. They're having issues with this. We're trying to get it cleaned up. And he goes, that's not good. This is this part of Florida. She's like, yeah. He's like, okay, well, that's unacceptable. We're going to have to go down to the local spot and change that. And um, he goes, this is for me. Yeah. And he goes, Mark, you make sure we get a call with that and get her information. Let's get her on the call with that. She starts crying, right? And... He goes, ma'am, and she goes, listen, I didn't vote for you last time, Mr. Trump, but everything you said you would do, you did. You're a good man. I'm voting for you this next time. He starts tearing up. And it's like, thank you. And then he tells everyone, thank you, and he leaves.
true story. I go back to my hotel. I go to sleep. I get up in the morning. I'm on cloud nine. I have it on the fucking news. And it says Trump approves permit from Alaska to Canada for railroad. The next fucking morning, bro. True story. That's my Trump story. And then you guys went and stormed the Capitol. I didn't. Fuck no, I stayed home. <laughs> and some people did, but I'm just telling you facts of what I know, right? Like, do I think he's an asshole? Of course I do. But at least I knew the asshole there. With Biden, I didn't know the skeleton asshole we had. And so, um, you know, I think when it comes to business sense, when it comes to economics, when it comes to normal shit, I think he created more hate than he needed to because he's very, very, very delusional, very insecure and fights with people like children. Like if someone says something, he's like, he just wants to throw poo on him and fight all day, which is not a good leadership skill, which shows his insecurity. I think that hurt the country. But I think overall, uh, in my opinion, I think we're more divided with with a Biden administration um, because they try to expose uh, uh, more of, of shit that's not real and do a lot of the entitlement finger pointing. I just feel like things were a little better before COVID um, than, than, than after. And so, uh, but that's my I, opinion. Yeah, I would, I would agree. I, I just think the world is, is an illusion. And I think that a few things like leading up to probably the current administration, I was definitely more of the guy like, 99.9% of my brain was like, it doesn't matter who your boss is, the president, uh, you control your destiny, blah, blah, blah. Right. Which big chunk of me still believes that. I think what's been interesting as I reflect back over the years and seeing current administration and seeing where we're at is, oh, I don't know. I think the president actually does play a pretty big impact and the administration in our, uh, in our life, whether it's direct, like that lady that had a permit approved, probably changed her whole life immediately. Right. But then also the intangibles, right. The, what it does to the morale of the company and all the or a company to the, to the country, uh, which is essentially a company, but I like the bluntness to be honest with you. And I don't know about you. I'm like, I hope he wins again because that shit's funny. <laughs> like, uh, I don't know if he's going to win again, though. I mean, look, I like him and I like the guy in Florida. You know, the problem I have with um, the problem I have with Biden is is the problem I have with the what people think. This is the media. Trump's a racist. Trump's not a racist. I know his son, right? Because they they own a a, a golf uh, uh, place here in North Carolina, and so I've met yeah. his son, uh, Junior, a handful of times. And, um, they're not racist at all. I mean, not even fucking close, uh, but they're blunt and they, sometimes they're inappropriate, but they're not racist. And with Biden, I truly feel like he's racist. People argue me. I'm like, dude, his own fucking vice president called him racist. I truly believe he's always been a racist that hid behind it. Got a good pass from Obama, rode that train. He's fucking shady. We see what's going on with his son. Um, he's either equally or more shady than Trump has been. Uh, but at least with Trump, when he says he's going to do something, he's fucking done it. I can admire that. Right, wrong, or indifferent. He said, I'm going to do this. That's going to happen. It's like happened. With the Biden administration, I feel like that hasn't happened. And so that, and I agree with you. I used to be like, it doesn't fucking matter. Like Obama was in there. It didn't matter. Trump doesn't fucking matter. I feel like I'm feeling like it matters a lot more now. I feel like, you know, there are certain things 
um, that our country can and can't do because of the administration and what their beliefs are and the routes that they're going. And I think that it affects everybody somehow, some way. Like I have a big problem with the border control. Like I, that, that fucking eats me up, right? Like I've looked at maybe moving to Texas or Arizona. One of my things is like, that's out of control. I have friends. Most of my friends I ever grew up with are, are Hispanic American. Like those are my favorite people on the fucking planet. But dude, fucking fill out a fucking green card, do it the right way. Cause when you come over illegally, you're taking this other asshole who did it the right way's job. Like it's wrong. And then the crime, like, I just don't like it. And it's just fucking, it's a problem that we don't need. We, we're not Canada and we're going to turn into Canada if we're not fucking careful. And that's, those are my fears that, that my kids are going to have to deal with. But, you know, listen, as time went on from 2020, I will tell you climate change is real. At 2020, I wasn't sure if I believed in, that's not why I got into solar. Um, I did stay into solar because I'm a big believer that the utility companies are irresponsible. And I have friends and family members that have been sick or died of brain tumors and cancer here in North Carolina with coal ash. And coal ash is a problem. What they do with the waste of coal ash all over the U.S., they don't line these water ponds. They're fucking building houses and neighborhoods and communities with coal ash dirt all over the place. And people, it's arsenic, and people are getting sick at an all-time high, and there's cancer clusters. I have a problem with that because utility companies are like, ah, whatever, fucking prove it. And it's wrong. And to me, we, I, I love solar. I've always will love solar. Uh, and I also love wind and I also love hydro and I love electric cars. And I think that we should be more independent, not fucking use fuel for fucking fighter jets, use it for fucking shuttles to go to the moon and Mars. We don't need it for cars. I used to have gas cars all the time. I bought an electric car. Best thing I ever did. And I, and I still have a Lambo drinks a lot of fucking gas. I'm waiting for him to come out an electric Lambo, but I want. I just want a cleaner place because it's fucking disgusting. And I'm a I'm a Republican, but I'm a fucking a, a, a Republican that is right center. Like I understand the problem. And like I'm also right center. I don't care who marries who, who loves what, what the fuck you want to call yourself, as long as you're not a fucking pet and you got a fucking litter box in your fucking school. I don't know about the rule, whatever. As long as that shit isn't happening, all that bullshit rumors, that's probably fake. But I'm just saying, like, that's the kind of shit that I don't think is healthy for our country. But I don't give a fuck. You want to be this or love that. I don't care. But I do yeah. want people to go out and earn a living and not fucking take a free ride. Yeah, you don't want you don't want victims, right? And and yeah. nor and nor do I. And you had every right to be uh, a victim the last year or so with everything that you have going on. So again, I, I really admire. That's the first piece of my you know brand. All for nothing is making sure people don't do all these things in life and business for nothing. And it starts, and I believe ends with ending your victim mentality. One word that you used, which is one of my favorite words ever, it's uh, a triggering word, is uh, peasant. I think most people are a peasant to their mind. They're a peasant to their circumstance. They're a peasant to their story, right? right? They're a peasant to coming back to the abuse of type parents that say you're going to amount to nothing or the teachers or uh, situations are just going to be unfortunately out of our control, right? Uh, so I think it all starts and ends with ending your ending your victim mentality. So. Appreciate you sharing that story. I think it's going to be some interesting times. Like I said, that shit's hilarious. I don't know if you ever see, uh, I don't give a fuck if China owns it, this owns it. They've already had all of our information forever. So I'm like, TikTok's great. I don't know. I love TikTok. I love TikTok. That, that algorithm's dangerous, man. They're like, oh, they already get, they get all your data. I'm like, dude, the moment you had a computer 
and a phone, they've had our data. They know exactly what category you're clicking on Pornhub, dude. Like you're, you're, we're all fucked. Don't worry. We're all fucked. That said is one of my favorite random clips that would just pop up from time to time is the Hillary and Trump uh, debate. That's all I'm asking for. If there's any, if you are a part of the United States government or one of the elite, do Tyler Bassetti a favor and let Donald Trump debate again in front of national television. That shit is pure comedy to me. I don't care if you love him or hate him. Those clips come up and I die laughing. It's hysterical. Yeah, it'll be good. It'll see who he goes against in in the Republican primary. But uh, he's DeSantis, you think? DeSantis. Well, I think it's going to be those two at at the end. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I wish there was a way they would team up because I think that's a great team. But I don't think DeSantis wants to do that. If he was smart, my opinion, he plays Robin for one term and then he runs for full term and he has his own show. But I don't I don't think he'll do it. You think. Then uh, I want to transition a couple things, and then we'll, we'll wrap this up. I want to be mindful of your time. Do you think that the United States is screwed when it comes to the fiat currency? When it comes to this new world order? When it comes to uh, World War Three? When it comes to just what we've seen in history of empires rising and falling? Uh, there's a direct correlation, uh, from my understanding. I'm not an expert in this, but if fiat currency crashes and there is a sexuality situation, if you will, like we saw in the, the Roman the Roman Empire. Uh, there's data points that we're seeing China is clearly taking over. I personally don't know if we're going to see uh, nuclear bombs go off in our in our lifetime. I think I think the nuclear bomb is COVID. I think the nuclear bomb is creating a digital currency. I think the nuclear bombs are different now. Uh, so where do you think the United States is going and what opportunities do people have regardless if they live in the United States or in other countries? Well, it's a great question, but I, I think that we're in better shape than we, we portray. I think the military is a billion light years above the other militaries, but we don't advertise it. It's just my opinion. Um, I believe that any kind of currency issue, you know, I, you know, we've got issue with, to me, China's like, like Japan was in the forties. Right. And, you know, they have all the money, they have all the technology, they have all this. Right. Um, but military wise. So, yeah, they could fuck with us, you know, currency. They could fuck with us a million ways. COVID everything. If push comes to shove and there's a war, I just don't even think it's fucking close. It's just my opinion. Right. Uh, people I know that are in the military and they're not very high up. But just, I mean, if you do the research, like we spend, I think it's, I don't know, fucking 45 billion in military a year like China I think like, I think it's like more uh, I don't know but I, I heard something insane that's already an insane number I don't even know how to even comprehend that number but it's something ridiculous I think it was sorry to completely cut you off I think I read or heard something where it was like the top uh like five to ten countries as far as like GDP we spend like the equivalent in the military or something something weird or crazy like that yeah, it's like that. It's something like that. So imagine those dollars that we're not seeing everything going on behind closed doors with technology and weapons. Like, you know, when our when you see the highest leaders in our country have give zero fucks 
about what China or Russia says, like literally zero fucks. Like I don't give a fuck. They don't, they want some like zero fucks they give makes me feel pretty confident. Like they know something I don't know with all the money they've spent. They've got their daddy somewhere in a closet if need be. Now with that said, the currency thing's got to change. I mean, you know, I, I, I think that, uh, you know, I'm a big fan of Bitcoin and all that stuff coming out. Um, you know, that that's been out and, and working. I don't know what the future looks like on that. I'd be fucking guessing if I, if I, if I tried, uh, you know, I get a little nervous, like, you know, it, to me, you know, Bitcoin, I first started thinking about, it was like, how do you fucking mining for what? Like how that, that doesn't even seem surreal. But when you think of our money, isn't really tied to any gold anymore. That's not fucking real either. So what is real, right? What, what is, how, how are we going to really dictate what's real on currency and what's not? And I think eventually we're going to have to have one currency worldwide. I just don't know when that's going to happen. It's going to have to though. Yeah, I think it already has like, you know, fiat currency, whether it's United States or other, other countries has been, you know, in the past backed by gold, the gold standard. Uh, now the United States is backed by the, the military, <laughs> uh, to be quite blunt. Uh, hence why we go into wars and and uh, rebuild the country using U.S. dollars. But yeah, the BRICS nation, what Russia's doing, Brazil, uh, China, that's that's quite unique. Um, if I'm understanding correctly or seeing what they're doing is they might, you know, back that by commodity and or back that by, you know, gold. Um, but I think Bitcoin is basically a no brainer. Uh, that's a topic for another day. My audience knows I'm a huge Bitcoin advocate as well. Uh, as far as altcoins and other things, it's not my cup of tea, really. I think it's all fluff. Uh, I think if you build a business and or businesses, try to do your best to make a ton, a ton of cash, uh, the money game just turns in how do we keep and compound this? In my personal opinion, it's reinvesting back in yourself, your business, your brand, uh, real estate and Bitcoin. Uh, obviously, I still believe in other things as well. Like, you know, there's insurance, there's different lucrative retirement accounts, solo 401ks, IRAs. Um, stocks you can pull margin against. I, I believe in all that. I believe in diversification, but in reality, 99.9% .9 of Tyler Bosetti is make money through businesses and, and having fun in life. Uh, and then you keep and compound it through, through real estate and Bitcoin. So yeah. uh, align there with you on that. What's something else you want to share, man? This has been an awesome conversation. I'm not going to lie, man. You uh, way cooler than I thought you were going to be based on uh, the notes I saw. I'm like, oh, this guy might be a little too little too formal and i saw the suit i'm trying to move around i'm like uh, it's a pleasure sure and i only put a suit on because i had to do a photo shoot today so really i'm always you got tatted the, up, you got tatted up with the t-shirt you got the underwear on the uh below right i do oh, yeah yeah, you, yeah, yeah it, it's it's underwear no uh okay you got the pants on you, i do have the, the pants. real deal yeah well i you I, you know i went to the gym and then i just changed clothes because i had to do a photo shoot i had to take some pictures Today, because they're all the old pictures are me with blonde hair. And so I've got to get more pictures with the brown hair. So I got to get in front of the green screen. They take photos. So I got to wear a jacket for some of the coaching things. But uh, I haven't dressed up in months. So it's like, fuck, it actually feel good. Yeah. Dressed up. People are like, Dan, you, know, you clean up well. I'm like, I know. We just moved, like I said, and I was going through boxes and shit this week. And I'm like, oh, damn, forgot about this shirt. Oh, forgot I had this suit. So funny enough, uh, and my girlfriend, she's a fashion designer. So. I can tell when I'm like putting stuff on, like if I like tweak my outfit to make it like I look, like I put some effort into it, I see her eyes light up and I'm like, oh yeah, I need to start dressing a little better. That said, I like to rock the hoodies and, uh, you know, for the brand or whatnot, but 
uh, I'm excited to connect with you offline. I would love to stay in touch if you don't mind just taking like, uh, you know, in the coming weeks or we just hop on a, a separate call. I definitely foresee there to be some yeah. business opportunities, investment opportunities, or I can help you get, you know, some coaching clients or, you know, help me with some coaching things as well. But, uh, yeah, man, what, what's some other things that you want to share? Uh, I mean, look, I, you know, I'm, I'm trying to figure out this coaching game and speaking engagements. I want to get, I want to get on more stages. Um, I want to get more clients. My goal is probably 75 to 100 one-on-one clients that I'm dealing with. Cause it's not about how many hours you give me a week. Some people ask, but it's about moving the needle there. They have access to me all the time. I had two texts me while we we're on this, right. And I'm responding, Hey, got how much, you. how much, how much do you charge if you mind sharing? I know that's like, so the, so the group, so the group coaching and I'm new at this, right? So I, I first started, was going to do here. And then Dan Locke's like, dude, you got to be charging here. Wes is like, you got to be charging way more. And <laughs> So I, I waited out. So my group coaching, the BAM community coaching is three forty nine dollars a month. What happens? Well, you get on a call four times a month, every Wednesday at 4.30. Um, we have all kinds of people in there, somewhere between 25 to 75 people at any given time talking about AI, digital marketing, lead gen. They're connecting, they're sharing. Hey, I raise capital. Hey, I do this, I do that. So it's a great community. Um, and really we film a lot of that content that we're, that we're going to share in certain courses down the road. Uh, but it, it, it's really fun. And it's been going on probably about five or six weeks. That's that's the first level. Then um, the elite one-on-one coaching, and that also gets you, that BAM community gets you 50% off uh, master courses. So like I just did a master course on digital lead gen. Uh, it's about an hour course, just filmed it yesterday. So it'll be out in a couple of weeks. It'll be my first course. Um, but it gets dives into deep why a brand, why a logo. Yeah, why this, why does it work? call to action, what kind of platforms, it'll be a level one, level two. So that BAM community will get you 50% off the master courses. And I don't know what I'm gonna charge from 149, I don't know yet. Then um, if you do the coaching, the one-on-one, -on -one, if your business or your value, because some people are just opening business is zero to a million, it's 3,500 a month or 35 a year, 35K a year. If it's 1 million to 5 million, I'm sorry, to 9 million, Nine 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 nine, oh, under ten million, it's fifty five hundred a month or fifty five a year. If it's ten million to twenty million, it's seventy five hundred a month or seventy five a year. And if it's uh, you're over twenty million or above, it's ten thousand a month or hundred thousand a year. Now, obviously, I've got a couple NFL. I got an NFL athlete that is supposed to be at ten thousand, and I've negotiated with him because he, you know, he's cheap. He's a lot less, right? So it, it, that is the the sticker price there. But what does that get you? That gets you 100% access to me. You get access to all of my uh, resources. You get, you know, the access to my Rolodex. You get access, hey, I want to raise capital. Hey, I'm looking to do this. Hey, I'm, I got these deals. You get all of that. Plus you get all the courses that I'm making. The next one I'm making tomorrow is an AI course where I've got over 200 hours I've invested in AI, how to use it, what kind of prompts. You get access to all of that for free. You're in the BAM community and you get the free invite. I want to do like an annual uh, mastermind where I bring some people together. We have a cool ass vacation. You automatically get, get the ticket to that too. So that's the goal of that. I've got nine people I'm doing one-on-one -on -one right now and I'm selective. Like they got to fill out a thing. I've said no to a few. It's like, ah, I don't know if I want to work with someone that, that, that like that. I want to work with someone that I know I can really help. You know, there was someone that was in a medical field uh, that, it, you know, and I was like, you want to build medical reps? No, I'm just looking to do this. Like my, my, my strength is marketing, digital marketing, AI sales, building sales teams, opening new markets, scaling, raising capital, 
uh, and trying to sell the company, building a pitch deck, like those are my strengths, right? Process efficiencies, lowering cost of overhead. I'm good at all that stuff. You're looking at me to do financials. I'm not your fucking guy, right? So, you know, this guy's like, hey, I want someone to help me do the financials. Like you need to get a coach that manages QuickBooks or NetSuite and shit like that. I'm not that guy. I'm not the financial guy. I'm the guy who can look at it and say, hey, let's clean it up. Let's get you gap uh, ready. Let's get you fucking accrual ready. Let's do the things to raise capital. But I'm not the guy. I'll tell you, get a contract at CFO. So that's where I'm at. And I, I'm trying to, and look, like that. that may be wrong, but, you know, um, it is it is intense, uh, meaning like I hold people accountable. I got a couple solar guys and they're like, dude, I want to get into the side of solar. And I'm like, look, I want you to do your homework of who who your biggest competition is, what they're doing different than you. Like I hold people accountable. So they're in their business like they would normal, like, like they would never be before. So they see it a little differently. So they're getting like, oh shit, that's what I'm missing. I want them to learn. And then the goal is that I'm doing so well for them. They want to stay right. And they're seeing the difference. So they're not like, oh, I spend 5,500 a month. Well, if you make 250,000 more dollars this quarter, was it worth it? Well, fuck yeah, it was, you know, that guy that's up 400% in sales, he did 2 million in sales more last month than he did any other month ever. That he's yeah. like, dude, it's because you showed me these things. So, yeah, I think you're doing it right. Like I said, I've been, in, I've built a lot. I've been in a, lot, a part of a lot of them. I think this is the direction, at least where I want to go. And that I'm heading myself as well. Is damn near identical as podcast attention, deepening relationships. I already have a the, the wealth strategy with the which is real estate. Now I need like the the in between. Uh, so releasing way more free resources. Uh, you know, whether that's webinars, PDFs, you know, all that, all that stuff. And then just have low ticket stuff, mid ticket. But I think where you're doing yourself and a, a thumbs up, right? I think you're, you're making a phenomenal decision, regardless of what Wes says, regardless of what Dan says, uh, whether my opinion weighs as much as them, if not, you know, maybe more, which I think it does combined. Uh, just, just kidding. Everyone that can't see the video here. Uh, that's what I'm paying for these days, right? I'm paying somebody five, 10, 50K a year, 100K a year to have a call with them on a Tuesday, but then him and I both got shit going on. We might need to reschedule to Wednesday or I can shoot him a text. That's what it is with Thursday. me. They say, when can we talk? And, and I'm available, right? So a guy was like getting ready to go out of town. He's like, hey, can we do this morning at 10 a.m.? Absolutely. We knock it out because he wanted to talk about things before he went on his trip. So some people are like, I talked to him. One or once or twice a week. Some are like every other week, but it's all whenever they need it. Whenever it's, a, can I tell them we got to schedule something regularly? But if you need me before then, if something's hot, you text me, you message me. Yeah, let's fucking deal with it because I don't want it to sit. Because as entrepreneurs, you get busy and you're working on something. You're like, fuck, I got this great idea, and then I don't want you to lose it. Like, let's keep the flames on it in order to get things done. But also, too, when you start making money, uh, you don't want to be on that schedule. It's another task to hop on that call. So for people that are paying like that subscription for you, like that's incredible. Holds them accountable. Like they're getting the foundation built. They're getting some, some things really moving. Right. Uh, or maybe they already are elite, but the point I'm getting at is like for me and understanding the psychological side, human behavior side, where things are going, moving forward. I 100, 100% believe to get the higher ticket, get the most impact, the most upside is saying, hey, look, we're not going to talk. You're fucking busy. I'm busy, but I'm going to fly you in uh, to Charlotte or into Columbus, Ohio to meet me in person for uh, two days. Everything's carved out. We're going to build seven weeks of boom, 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 boom. And the energy play, like being in person, yeah. 
then you can start cutting in into deals together. You can get equity in their company. So uh, I think you're doing it right, man. I think having them go through a course and then hop on a call and then uh, sure that works for some people and you can give them access to all of that. But people paying five, 10, 50, 100K each year coming to the events and you can monetize them and cut into deals like that's the move. I think it's better to have like a hundred of those people. Uh, that's all you really need if that, because then you start doing big shit together. Right. So. Yeah. No. And I agree. And, and look, the, the Dan was like, I wouldn't have a community one. I wouldn't bother with it. Right. But I felt like some people were sticker shocked to spend 3,500 bucks. And I know that a lot of entrepreneurs get lonely and look, there's nothing wrong with like Wes's community or Eric's community. Like I love the name of his, I think it's the inner circle or Sean Whalen's community of the lion's den. There's nothing wrong with that. And I love those guys. Those are all good guys but mine's going to offer a different flavor of things. So it's different people. Mine's going to offer digital marketing, artificial intelligence, how to scale the business, how to grow a sales team. Everybody's got their own thing, right? Mm -hmm. um, I feel like Dan told me, he said, the problem people have out there with the Ed Milets and nothing against Ed, but any of those guys and their programs is they're all the same. They're all like, hoorah, let's break down the walls and let's fucking go, right? He says, they're not giving real business advice, real ways to make money. He said, with your experience, you need to focus on home services, real estate agents, people trying to brand themselves and do marketing. You need to focus on that niche, just like Grant Cardone does for real estate. You need to focus on businesses trying to market and do digital marketing AI. You need to focus on that. And I think he's right, because that's a niche for me. That's something Sean's not going to touch. That's something Eric's not going to touch. That's something Wes is not going to touch. They're looking for, Wes is looking for other coaches that want to get on and, and scream and shout, which I, I can scream and shout and I love it and promote that. And that's great. You know, Eric is helping people with businesses and get over things. Um, but it's a, it's a piggyback of, of a little bit of Wes, uh, but he has the business experience of scaling a business. So they're getting that experience. You know, you go with Sean Whalen, you know, his story lost everything, built it back. You know, the lion's not sheep. He's kind of given some business advice, use his platform if you want, but it's more of the mindset, right? Where mind is, is a mixture, the mindset, mind is like, like, let's fucking talk down and dirty about the business. How the fuck are we going to capitalize and you get more money in your, in your business? So it's a little different only because my experience, none of them built a billion dollar fucking company from the ground up and then built three other ones worth over 10 million, not knocking them because they're shit. They know I don't, it's just different. And that's why I yeah. got to be careful on how I how I find my niche and I'm still trying to figure it out. Right. Like I, that's why I want to have like everything. I think you got to figure it out. I think you got to figure it out. I think you definitely got to figure it out. Uh, this is just my perspective and opinion. You're just coming into a space that like we've all been in and you already know what you need to do. And then you got, I got to get on stages opinion. though, man, that's where I need the biggest help. I'm like, I, you know, Stormy was supposed to get me on a stage at last second. That didn't pan out. Um, you know, I think it's uh, why, why, why on stage? Well, uh, my understanding is the more stages I get on, the more people I can get to join the community and coaching. Uh, yes and no. Here's here's where, one, I can help you with that. So we'll definitely connect offline. I, I uh, can help you with that. I think the public speaking thing that I love the most, hence why I also do this podcast as well, this is a massive personal development project for me when it's all said and done. You get it because you're a host of a show. Uh, there are way more intangibles of having a podcast show than just us shooting the shit and trying to, you know, right get cool clips out of it, blah, blah, blah. It's me putting in reps. It's me getting over my ego. It's me uh, leveraging you, you leveraging me, all yeah. these different things. I learn something but, every show I go on or every show I do. It's it's yeah. so, it's, it's our own coaching. 
for sure. Absolutely. So going on stage, I view it as uh, whether this is right or wrong, I think it's more right than wrong, is most people fear public speaking more than they do death. So for me, it's it, it's uh, not super uncomfortable, but I definitely get a little uncomfortable and nervous. And, and those are the things that we need to be doing more of is, yeah. is conquering that fear. Um, but here's where I'll challenge you with that. I agree. I think you there, there's massive upside in tangible public, public speaking. You're getting the content, you're meeting people, that it's a frame, it makes you look cool and credible, like 100%. But if there's 100 people in there and you close all 100, well, you might be able to just get on a podcast and close 200 people from that video getting 10,000 views. I agree. And, I agree. Uh, I, I, hear I think you, I though. need the content though too. I think I need more content of me on stage because I have my oh, TED talk sure. and then I have like three other things that I've done. And so I think I people need to hear your content. story. I think yeah. people need to hear your story in person. Like I can't, I, I want to oh, check this out. Right Here, here's how I'm starting. Like the, you know, I went and met with Gary V's team with VaynerMedia about their speakers bureau and doing all that. And, and one of the things like, well, tell me what's different. And you got a lot of heat on you. And I said, well, funny you asked, that's how I'm going to start any speech I do. You know, yeah, you, because my thing is, if I go and I build myself up, you got the assholes in the back going, who is this fucking Yahoo? And they're looking for all the dirt. But when I go, just so you know, I'm the guy that built a billion dollar company and lost it. 2,400 people lost their job because the company I ran. 40,000 customers are left in the dark because the company I ran. So much confusion. The industry is a black eye because of the company I ran. There's mistakes I've made. There's pluses and negatives. Like once I start that way, now they're rallying for me to fucking build up what's going on. And now they're a fan because I took all that away. When I come in and I'm cocky and I'm arrogant, they're like, that motherfucker's dirty, right? Like, like let me find some dirt on them. But when you start with like, here, look, this is who I am. Just so you know that I lost, every, I lost it all. And I feel horrible. And let me tell you how that we got there. And then let me tell you what we're doing next. Now it's like the Rocky story and the rallying. Yeah. It's like Eminem sharing all the, the yeah. I always go back to that. that. Here's who I am. I live in the trailer park and he fucked my girlfriend. Yes. All of that. Yep. Yeah. Start, start there. Uh, again, I wasn't disagreeing with the public speaking. I definitely think you need to be out there. You need to be on stage. You need to, it needs to be more uh, digital though at high numbers. We get to get more conversions. Yeah. You got to figure it out, man. I, I, uh, I'm excited for you and I'm excited because I definitely can see that there's some things that we'll do. I wish we were able to get to this topic, but, but we'll definitely run out of time. And, uh, the AI stuff, send me over that, that course, whenever it's done, I'd like to purchase it and, uh, I'll reach out to your team and, or just shoot you a message as well. We'll get all your links. We'll get all your social media, have that below yeah. video, of course. Um, but the AI stuff is, I, I understand it. I have minimal, minimal, minimal experience, but I'm going to yeah. start integrating that heavily into like you know, newsletters, video clips, uh, we're kind of doing that, but uh, the, uh, I use it for everything, dude, everything. Tyler, this has been fun. I was also worried. I'm like, who the fuck? I hope this goes well, you know, because that's what always is. I'm like, you know, all right. And usually if I'm interviewed, like, you know, this was better to like, we didn't have to go regurgitate the entire story, which is, which is fine. I do that almost every time when someone asks, but we got to talk about other shit. It was cool. For sure. Yeah, we'll do this again, man. I'm a, I'm a very... Uh, we got to have you on my show, too. So let, let's set that yeah. up. And don't get mad. Michigan beats that ass this year, dude. Uh, yeah. Where, where are they playing at? Are they playing here? Or? It's in Oh, it's in Michigan. And we have the okay. number one recruit class, which has never happened in my lifetime in 43 years. 
all right, well, you tell your old steak-eating, milk-drinking Jim Harbaugh to get us behind uh, get us behind the scenes. I'll, I'll, I'll be happy to join. That'd be great. Well, get, I'll see if I can pull that up, dude. We walk right down and got to hit the blue. You got to jump up, hit the blue thing, though. You know, the big that's, house. That's pretty dope. I'm not going to And you're not that. allowed to wear any red. My son came in in a red jacket because it was cold, and they said, fuck no. They threw that out and yeah. gave a fucking Michigan jacket. He was pissed. I have the video. I'll send it to you. Like, it yeah, was next level. Like, I have an Aiden Hutchinson chant and shit. This before he went pro. We're high-fiving him. That's oh. how I ended up doing the deal with him. I was like, we met. I'm like, dude, like, we're going to have to fucking do a deal. So our my that's guy. So uh, set it up and dude, it was, that was epic. My son, I told my son, I said, dude, the life we had when we were in Michigan up there, just the relationships and we're Michigan and Detroit fans was surreal. Like I'm going back up there for Calvin's charity golf event and I'll see some of those guys. But when we moved back to North Carolina, it was like, like all that went away. Like we don't have the connections here. Like, you know, yeah. race car drivers. I know all the race, Kyle Bush. I know all those fucking guys. Yeah. I don't care. Yeah. Yeah. Just different environment, but hopefully you can get back up there, man. And hopefully you can, carve out some time to uh yeah. head back and forth and again dude like i said congrats on on uh owning your shit and and getting yourself in the spot to put your your face out there and, and your neck out there and uh leading the way and i i definitely had some very very solid takeaways and uh, i know the, the audience did as well so if you need anything Hit me up and uh, yeah, any last words that you want to share? No, th thank you. I appreciate it, Tyler. Very much. Thank you, man. Absolutely. All right, bye -bye. Have a great rest of your day. Later, Jason. <laughs>